Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Where Do We Begin, where we've got a preview of what's to come today, including the athletics, and we've actually got a big athletics interview in the middle, jam-packed with awesome analysis from our expert guest. But first, recapping a day, day six yesterday, that made all us Aussies back here feel all warm and fuzzy and had so many happy moments, one of those happy moments, Jess Fox finally winning her Olympic gold, which was so good to see, 25 million million Australians just ecstatic for her. So she won gold in the C1 canoe slalom. Jess Fox, like I'm sure you've all heard about it before, she's won 11 world championships, the K1 silver in London and Rio, bronze in Tuesday's K1 in Tokyo, of course. This C1, she was the world number one. She was expected to win, but she actually threw up right before it. Anyway, obviously, she won the gold, but it wasn't always looking like that because Team GB's Mallory Franklin, uh, she was looking pretty good. She was in first right up until Jess uh, took to the water. Uh, Mallory Franklin Franklin got 108.68 seconds, uh, which included a two-second penalty, and the German, Andrea Herzog, was second up until Jess took to the water. Like I said, Jess went last, absolutely smashed it, won it by over three seconds, 105.04, brilliant, brilliant stuff, emotional scenes afterwards, interview with her dad, Richard, what a a commentator here is, what a guy he is, and uh, her mum as well, just seems like a legend, the coach, of course, and Jess herself, what what an inspiration, what an all-round inspirational legend, inspirational person, what an amazing woman. She's the first Jewish Australian to win Olympic gold. And <laughs> she's like, is there anything wrong about her? She just seems like the perfect human. I, I was having a look at her Wikipedia page, 99.18er. Like, is there anything she's not good at? Uh, I don't know, really. But we'll move on because there are some other medals to talk about on the Aussie side of things. Zach Stubblety Cook, he competed in the 200-meter breaststroke yesterday. No Aussie man had won breaststroke gold since the last Olympic Games in Tokyo, all the way back in 1964, for 57 years ago. That was the great man, Ian O'Brien. I've got to say, big Zachy boy, he wasn't looking too good after 50 meters. He was in sixth place as he uh, touched the end and he turned around over the next 100 meters, caught up a bit. He was third. Uh, with one lap to go, or the last 50 metres to go, sorry. And he said afterwards he executed his race plan to perfection. He caught up with the Dutchman Arno Kaminga um, and obviously won the gold. Uh, him and Arno Kaminga actually were a dead heat uh, in the heats. <laughs> so they, they've had a bit of a rivalry going throughout these games. So Stubbledy Cook ended up finishing in uh, 2 minutes 6.38 seconds and Kaminga 2 minutes 7.1, 7.01, sorry, seconds. So, yeah, it was uh, 0.63 seconds difference in the end. That's the eighth Aussie gold of the game. So now Australia, fifth in the medal tally. We're hovering around that kind of fifth, six mark, uh, basically the whole time we've been around there. So China, Japan, the US, and the Russian Olympic Committee ahead of us, China, Japan, US, they've basically been the top three the whole time. But there were more medals yesterday, no more gold medals, but medals that still made us all feel good back here in Australia. Kyle Chalmers in the 100-meter freestyle. So um, he, he didn't perform too well in the semifinal by his own admissions. Uh, he was sixth best. So that meant he started in lane seven in this final he started well in the first 50 metres, but then 
bit of analysis from uh, my mate Thorpey, uh, Ian Thorpe in the commentary box. Uh, he, he was talking about how Kyle Chalmers usually breathes on his right, but in the last 50 metres, the big rival, uh, Caleb Dressel, the American, was on his left. So in the last 50 metres, he couldn't see where Caleb Dressel was while he was breathing. Dressel's uh, like a legend of the sport, if you didn't know, it's a powerhouse of the all, all swimming, really, about 100-meter freestyle, especially eight medals and six golds in the 2019 World Championships the big American had. Uh, Chalmers ended up getting silver. He was really, really close, actually. Uh, 47.08 seconds, just 0.06 of a second off Dressel, who got the world record. And it was good to see Chalmers not, not like, giving himself crap, for losing, he he was content with the result. Seemingly, that's what he kind of that was that was what the perception was from the post race interview. He said he gave it his all. He was happy with it. Couldn't have done much more. Left it all in the pool, and I guess the better swimmer, the deserving man, won in Caleb Dressel. So good on Kyle Chalmers. Seems like a top bloke. And one more medal for yesterday for the Australians. The women's four by two hundred meter freestyle. Uh, the team with heavy, heavy favourites coming into this one. The fastest qualifiers. The qualifiers were actually a completely different group of women. Molly O'Callaghan, Brianna Throssell, Meg Harrison, Tamsin Cook, they swam the first race uh, in the heats. Seven uh, minutes, 44.61 seconds. They were the best by nearly a full three seconds. And 17-year-old Molly O'Callaghan, actually her, her leg ended up, uh, would have been better. Uh, than everyone's, bar Titmus's in the final. So Titmus started off things for the girls in the pool in the 4x200-meter freestyle, followed by Emma McKeon, Maddie Wilson, then Leah Neal. Leah Neal's only race at the Olympics, actually. They ended up swimming the final in 7.41.29. So China won it, uh, about a second ahead of Australia, and Katie Letecki, how amazing is she? Her final leg nearly saw the USA catch up to China and win gold, uh, but they were just 0.4 of a second off, and it was the second fastest relay split that Ledecky's ever swim, uh, swum. So phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. But there was a bit of controversy around changing the team and putting Titmus first uh, in the relay. Perhaps things could have been different, but... I guess we'll never know. Hey, but I've got to say, just before we get into our interview, I just love the Olympics, and it's not just because it's all action, all sport for a good two and a bit weeks. But the positivity around it, I feel like it's it's probably not really talked about enough. Firstly, Japan doing really well uh, on home soil. That's definitely not talked about enough by the Aussie media. They've got other things on their mind, clearly. But it's it's great to see a country that's been hit hard by COVID kind of have something to feel good about with their um, all their athletes doing very well where are they at the moment I think they're yeah they're still second they're still second in the medal tally but some more positivity really more positivity sorry I love about the Olympics is that it's you never really see much barracking against or hating a particular athlete or a particular team it's always just supporting your own country and supporting your own team, supporting your own athlete, all Australians, whoever they are, whatever their background is, whatever their religion is, whatever their appearance is, wherever they've come from, doesn't matter. Like, the Australian teams come from all over the place. Jess Fox, she was born in France, 
she's Jewish, first Olympic Jewish gold medalist in Australian history, as I said, and then completely different background, Jian Feng Lei, the table tennis player, 48 years old, mother of two, born in China, moved to Australia in her late teens, and uh, she was killing it, got knocked out a couple of days ago, but had a pretty fairy tale run. And then you've got someone like Kyle Chalmers from Port Lincoln in South Australia. So it just shows the diversity of it and all of Australia getting around basically every athlete. Uh, I'm sure there's a big, bit of negativity here and there, but it's overwhelming positivity, which I absolutely love. There are stories like that for every country, I am sure. Uh, but it's just great to see from an Australian perspective. And Something big that's happening today, the athletics are actually kicking off in the Olympics. We've got lots of Aussies in action, and we've got an expert guest on the show, an expert guest we haven't seen yet on the show. He he actually writes and works for Athletics Australia. Uh, he's called Lockie Morehouse. He was a great guy to talk to. He gave really in-depth, cracking analysis of all the athletics, all the little facts and tidbits and uh, kind of tactics that you'll need to know. So I'll hand it over to myself, who's going to introduce Lockie Morehouse again. Now, the athletics are all kicking off today. I'm super excited for it. And with us on the show to talk to us all about it is a guy by the name of Lockie Morehouse. He's an expert in athletics. And uh, thanks very much for coming on, Lockie. Welcome to the show. Tell me how pumped are you feeling right now? Thanks for having me, Harper. Pleased to be here, mate. And, um, oh, gee, I'm excited. I mean, it's been a long time coming. Um, yeah, obviously, the Olympic cycle is long enough. It's four years, but extra year with COVID, I mean, it's dragged it on. And, um, yeah, I'm just – it doesn't even feel real. I mean, recently I was up at the holding camp in Cairns and um, it didn't even feel real that the athletes were they were actually going. And um, just to see them all over there, you know, getting videos of the Olympic Stadium and stuff, it's just – it's sick, man. And I'm, I'm so happy for them. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, uh, neither can I, neither can many of our listeners and viewers, I reckon. But uh, just kind of in fresh news to start us off, there's been a bit of a COVID scare that just kind of emerged yesterday with the US pole vaulter, uh, Sam Kendricks. That's forced a few Aussies into isolation. Yeah, that's right, mate. I mean, um, technically all the um, procedures and stuff with the Australian Olympic Committee. So um, obviously me with Athletics Australia, I'm not too obliged to comment on the, uh, the whole proceedings and stuff, but I mean... Um, yeah, just in general, uh, Sam Kendricks, the US pole vaulter. Um, so they've got daily testing over there as part of their COVID protocols. And um, yeah, so he had his test in the morning and then I believe he went to training and um, interacted with a few athletes. And um, yeah, later that day, it came out that he was um, actually positive for COVID. So he's had to withdraw from the games. Um, but yeah, a few Australian athletes kind of got caught up in it. But um, they're all good now. So that, they were forced into... Um, kind of like isolation, but they're all um, good to compete now. So there'll be no change to the program. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's good to hear from an Aussie side of things. And speaking of an Aussie side of things, uh, some people have laid the track team the best for generations and generations, many, many years. So can you tell us who are the kind of medal hopefuls that we're looking forward to seeing? Oh, mate. Oh, man, it's, it's pretty exciting. I mean, first of all, it's our, it's our biggest team ever, um, an Olympic track and field. Um, you know, we had 64 athletes and then unfortunately Dane had to withdraw, so um, back down to 63. But um, I think Dane something... Bing, just quickly, Dane being? Uh, um, Dane Bird-Smith, uh, race walker. So he actually won bronze at the 2016 Rio Olympics um, in the 20-kilometre race walk, um, but he just had some family problems. So, um, yeah, he was literally... Uh, up in the holding camp, ready to go, and um, unfortunately had to pull out. But, um, yeah, so we're back to 63 athletes now. And um, I think one thing Australians really struggle to grasp the athletics is, um, you know, context is key with any sport. And, you know, to come from the swimming where we're winning medals and just about every event, 
Um, and then we go to athletics and people expect, um, you know, our, our athletes to win medals in just about every event. I, th- I think people need to understand um, just how hard it is um, as a sport and just in our history, like for someone to come from Australia and win a medal, it's a really big deal. Um, in saying that, we do have a few. Um, I'll start us off with Nicola McDermott, the Australian high jumper. Um, so she's got uh, at the nationals this year. She became the first, <coughs> sorry at nationals this year. She became the first woman to Australian woman to jump over two meters. Um, cleared two meters in the national final, um, and since then she went to the Stockholm Diamond League and cleared uh, two point oh one meters out of the centimeter on, um, and had a good look at two oh three. So um, she's flying at the moment. She's actually got the third highest jump in the world this year, and um, only four women in the world this year have jumped over two meters. And Nicola's done it twice. So. I mean, you'd have to be putting her in there as one of our best chances. I mean, um, you know, she'll line up alongside Eleanor Patterson, who is also in the women's high jump for Australia. Um, she's the former national record holder, holder at 1.99 metres. So um, Australian high jump's in a really good spot. Um, if you look at the men's as well, we've got Brandon Stark, who's um, the equal Australian record holder. And I think only three men have jumped higher than him this year. So it's a good point to start with the uh, with the high jumpers, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be pointing towards Nicola McDermott. I mean, I think she's flying, and um, she's actually her processes when you watch her jump and her her routine. It's just it's faultless, and I, I think the big stage and, and the Olympic occasion won't overwhelm her. So she's one I'd really look to. Um, I mean, the, the name on everyone's lips is Stuart McSwain. Um, everyone wants to everyone wants to know what he can do. I mean, um, yeah. He is now our greatest middle distance runner ever. I mean, for a long time there, I'd say people were debating between him and Mottram, and um, but I think it's pretty pretty comfortable to say he's our best ever now. I mean, just last week or maybe two weeks ago, he ran three twenty nine five one, so the first Australian man to run under three thirty fifteen hundred meters um, national record. I think he's broken six now, um, and he also ran a really quick mile time, which is the fastest in the world since twenty fourteen. So. Yes, I think people. What, what people need to look for with Stewie is just the way the races are run. So Stewie's really, um, he's really established himself on the world scene as a, a front runner. So what, what Stewie likes is he likes an even pace. He doesn't like to leave it to a kick down finish because if if Stewie's there with a few other guys with three hundred meters to go, um, there's a fair chance they've got a better finish than him. So Stewie's really established himself as a front runner. He goes off the front, he takes it on, and um, yeah, that's that's how he's really made his craft as one of the best runners in the world. But the thing about the Olympics is it's not always it's not always like that. I mean, the men's fifteen hundred in Rio was run slower that you know you'd see teenagers run quicker than that at school meets. So um, that's going to be the biggest challenge for Stewie. Is um, you know I almost think that his best chance is in the final if he can navigate the heats in the semi because once he gets to the final, you know everyone's going to be going for it. But you know in the in the heats and the semis, people tend to try and save a few bickies for the final. So. Um, yeah, I think Stewie, what he's going to have to do, and he's really smart now. I know, um, you know, personally talking to his coach, Nick Bideau, people people say Olympic finals are slow or Olympic heats and semis, they're slow. Um, but if you've got one of the best runners in the world and if you understand how good Stewie is, I, don't, I just really can't see him leaving it to chance. I mean, he's not just going to watch a bunch of blokes jog around for three laps and then kick away from him. He's going he's gonna to have something to say about it. And I think that's why he's one of our best medal chances. So, um, I mean... He's one of three athletes we've got in the 1500 with um, Oli Hoare and Jai Edwards, who are equally, um, you know, very good athletes in their own right. Um, Oli is kind of, he beat Stewie early in the year at the Gateshead Diamond League. So that was a really good run um, if you just look at that kind of form line. But um, both very capable athletes in their own right. And I think one of the interesting things about this race is depending on how it's run, we've got chances across the board. I mean, Jai tends to 
wind it up a bit more, whereas Stewie's a good front runner and Ollie can kind of do it how he likes. So, um, yeah, I think the men's 1500's got to be in the discussion. And then one that's not often talked about is the uh, the women's javelin. I mean, Kelsey Lee Barber, 2019 world champion, um, and most people probably haven't even heard her name. I mean, in the lead-up to the Olympics, she's the reigning world champion. Um, she's got a good record and um, her and Catherine Mitchell and Mackenzie Little all in the javelin, but mainly Kelsey Lee Barber and Catherine Mitchell, um, that they'd be two genuine medal contenders. I mean, Catherine's been throwing really well, so she won the national championships. She's the Australian record holder. And, um, yeah, when I was up in Cairns, she was in ripping form, so looking strong and looking healthy. So um, I think the main thing about medal contenders is the field events tend to be a lot more unpredictable than the um, the track events. You know, track events, if there's, you know, say if there's a track race, you can see it kind of unfolds over time. And whereas field events, it's just kind of, you know, you're competing against people, but you're throwing on your own. Like the throw is purely um, a reflection of your performance and, you know, what you can muster on the day. So I think the field events are a lot more unpredictable. Um, and you can imagine that pressure, like for, for a lot of the distance athletes and stuff, they're kind of just getting dragged along. It's, you know, it's just second nature. They're, they're used to racing like that. But if you're standing at the top of the pole vault straight and you've got to do it all by yourself and, you know, if you've got, mental demons or whatever it's just you know even though you've done it a hundred thousand times before it's just um in your head so i think that's why the field events are a lot more unpredictable so a few sneaky chances there and also um ash maloney in the decathlon so he's 21 years old but in december of last year he broke the australian record um with a point score of 8492 um so as i said it was in december of last year but if that was you know 12 days later and it was in 2021 it would be um, one of the best scores in the world. So um, he's always a chance and I know he's really ripping and ready to go. Yeah, that's phenomenal and very exciting to hear for all fans of the Australian team, I bet. But I just want to mention one more thing about the 1500 before we move on. Uh, I mm-hmm. heard this in passing the other day, not totally sure if it's right, but is there a bit, bit of a big name that pulled out of that? Yeah, um, Taufik McClushy. I don't even know if I pronounced that right, but he, um, yeah, so he... Oh, well, he's got a long history. I mean, it's, he's kind of a controversial figure. Um, a lot of people from? say uh, Algeria, I think. Right, okay. Um, yeah, so kind of his history is that um, he kind of had a real upset in uh, London 2012. He he won gold, I think, and then um, Rio, he, I think he might have won silver. Or um, he, Anyway, he's got a bag of Olympic medals and he, um, yeah, I think a lot of people just see him as a blatant drug cheat who hasn't been caught, like has got it figured out and – you know, he, there's some of the stuff he's done. If you have a look at his record, it's it's superhuman, and I think a lot of athletes have started to speak out against him. And um, I know one athlete came out and said, posted a photo on Twitter um, of a bunch of like little vials and stuff and syringes that were in his bag, and kind of said tried to expose him. And then um, yeah, the wider dealings kind of proved that it was nothing illegal. Um, so yeah, he's pulled out with a knee injury, but I think it's just kind of the added fuel to the fire as. Um, <laughs> bit of a controversial figure in the athletics world. Oh, yeah, that's an amazing story. I, I had no idea about that, but um, some of the stories that go on, the athletics world especially, some crazy stuff happening over there. But uh, a couple kind of athletes that listeners to the show will have particular interest in, uh, firstly, Brooke Stratton, also Jai Edwards, but can we speak about Brooke Stratton, the long jumper? So uh, she's the Australian record holder for women, uh, some crazy number seven plus meters i think uh yep. so can you tell us a bit a bit about her hopes in the games 
Yeah, look, so Brooke um, is the Australian record holder, as you said, 7.05 metres, which is um, a fair jump. And, I mean, um, I think the most promising thing about Brooke is she's really come back into a good rich vein of form this year. Um, you know, she jumped, I think her season best is 6.84 metres, but she jumped that in the national final, um, which is the most important meet she's had this year. So that kind of shows, you know, to me, it indicates that, you know, she she comes to play when it matters. And, um, yeah, she also finished in seventh place at the Rio Olympics, which, um, yeah, I mean, that's a really that's a re- really good result at the end of the day if you're finishing seventh in the Olympic final. So um, in terms of Brooke's chances, I think she needs to be jumping in that seven-metre range. But um, as I mentioned, I mean, if these field events at the Olympic Games, anything can happen. So for Brooke to be in, you know, she's in a rich vein of form. She, she knows she can jump well. Um, I think personally for her, she'd be looking to jump back in that seven-metre range just because her PB is from 2016, I think. So, um, you know, it's a long time to be chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. So um, you get a big comp like this. Um, I think that's when she'll want to execute. Oh, yeah. It's going to be an absolute ripper of an event. But as promised, Talk a bit about Jai Edwards, so 1,500-metre runner, uh, qualified for the Olympics by beating uh, Stewie McSwain in a pretty phenomenal race and uh, used the tactic that you were talking about exactly uh, just before. So what are his chances like in the 1,500 metres? Yeah, I think the thing about Jai is you just you don't, you don't want to put a limit on him. I mean, he's proven so many people like this year, just his progression line, like every time he runs a PB, you kind of think, that's got to be as good as you can get. And then the next race, you run another one and he just keeps getting better and better. And um, yeah, I know he's got a long history of a few injury troubles and whatnot. And it's just awesome to see him this year um, piecing together a solid training block because um, it's just showing how good he can be. I mean, I think it's important to note that a few years ago, he did run uh, 341, like this might've been three or four years ago. So he was, he's not he's not just some slouch that's coming out of nowhere. He's a, he's a genuine talent, but to see him go to that next level this year, um, I think his most impressive race was the Oslo Dream Mile. Where he ran 349.27, third fastest mile in Australian history. Um, but that's just awesome for him to see. And I think uh, personally, I, I was at the uh, 1500 national final and I kind of was watching. I knew Stewie was going to get after it because he's, you know, at the end of the day, as I mentioned to you before, Stewie's trying to get ready for the Olympics. All right. So he, he's not necessarily fussed about winning a national title. He's trying to get his body ready to go off the front and do it the hard way and then back it up and back it up because he's trying to get ready for the Olympics. That's his bigger picture. Um, but I thought he'd do it and do it easily. So he went off the front. I saw Jai go with him and I thought, gee, how long is this going to last? And I was on the finish line as they went through, rung the bell and Jai wouldn't have blown out a candle. He looked so good and he's just such a smooth mover. And I just thought he's the real deal. And, you know, he came even, even at the top of the straight, I thought Jai's looking good, but surely he can't beat Stewie. And, um, yeah, he just proved too strong and just kind of the reaction from the crowd. Cause everyone, I think, has got an appreciation for how good Stewie is. So if you want to, earn your stripes in the Australian athletics and I think you go past Stewie in the home straight of a national final and um, you're well and truly there. Yeah, uh, I'm probably a bit biased here, but I think Jai could well have the potential to be one of those athletes who Australia just falls in love with within the space of a few days. Uh, but an event that everyone really loves here in Australia, not one that we've particularly performed well in over the years, but it's the 100-metre sprint. It's just awesome, frenetic, uh, like super quick stuff, obviously, to watch. Uh, tell us a bit about that, a bit of a preview for that. Yeah, definitely. So we've got one athlete um, in each of the men's and women's 100 metres. Um, so we've got Rowan Browning in the men's who, I mean, it's hard not to be excited about him. He's 23, um, you know, and he's just come out this year. And he's done some. I think it's. I think it's hard to measure what a lot of these athletes have done 
um, on Australian soil. I mean, even if you look at Peter Boll and those guys and a few of the other guys who have, um, you know, Nina Kennedy in the pole, well, these guys who are doing these amazing performances on Australian soil in empty stadiums with not much competition, I mean, it's just it's hard to put into context like how hard that is to do. So, um, yeah, just back to the 100 metres, I mean, Rowan's been running and he's been running consistently well, which I think is the best thing. Um, and he's just got this, he's got this air of confidence about him where, you know, he's so comfortable in his own ability and what he can do. And, um, you know, I was listening to an interview with him um, up in Cairns and he just said, you know, what are you hoping for Tokyo? And he said, well, first of all, I want to break 10 seconds and I think I can challenge for the Australian record. And um, I think the thing that stuck with me, just he said he wants to win every race he's in, or at least he wants to try and win every race he's in. I mean, to have an Australian 100-metre sprinter saying that going to Olympics is just, you know, it's been a long time since we've had someone who, um, you know, kind of has that ability who, you know, he's run sub-10 seconds, but it was windy. Um, but, I mean, some of the runs he's had in the low 10-second range just consistently, you know, not huge wins. I think he's one that's just going to fly. Like, I think he'll go well under 10 seconds. I don't know if he'll get the Australian record of 9-9-3, but, um, yeah, I'd definitely look for him to feature. Um definitely past the heats and hopefully deep into the semis and maybe the final. But at the end of the day, the, the 100 metres is the fastest man on the planet. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of what I touched on earlier. You, you don't want people to be discouraged about Rowan. You know, if he doesn't make the 100 metre final, he's still a generational talent and one of the best we've ever had. So, um, yeah, I think people need to put some respect on that name. But uh, in terms of the women, Hannah Basic, um, she's a star, mate. She, leading into this year, she... Um, I was having a look at her IAAF profile before, actually. So in 2014, her 100-meter PB was 11.64. Um, in early 2020, she broke that for the first time in six years, running 11.63. Uh, and then this season, she's run six personal bests to go from 11.63 to 11.16 and the fourth fastest woman in Australian history. So um, what, she's been able to, what she's been able to do is incredible, mate. I mean, um, yeah, the way she puts it, she was just doing life for a few years in her early 20s and um, what people do, she went to Europe, partied, did whatnot, and she's come back and she just she just looks so good. And um, honestly, uh, one of the most incredible things I think about her season is how long she's been going for. I think she started her season, um, oh, probably, no, it wasn't even that late last year. It might have been, you know, November or something. I think to have that consistent patch, to be racing throughout all the way into the you know, throughout the domestic season and into Europe, um, just shows how strong she is. And, um, yeah, I mean, once again, so Australian record in that event, Melissa Breen, 11-1-1. Um, she's at 11-1-6. And, I mean, if you've already shaved off half a second off your PB, what's what's 0.05? So, um, yeah, she's so exciting and, you know, still young, um, might be 25. But, um, yeah, she's one to watch, definitely. And just quickly, from the men's and women's side of things, uh, on an international scale, who are the standouts uh, and the absolute favourites to win the final for the 100 metres? Uh, well, in the men's, the, the US guys, are they're, they're, they're flying. The US have three guys who are all, um, you know, pretty good. Um, and in the women's, um, you've obviously got Chikari Richardson, who uh, the US trials, she was flying and then um, has actually been banned for, marijuana use in competition um so she's not there so shelly and fraser price would probably have to be a good chance there um but yeah take your pick from the u.s blokes and um there's a south african guy simbini who's pretty good but yeah i'd, I'd probably be raffling off the the u.s blokes <laughs> they're, they're pretty quick yeah they're four by one or go they're four by one or fly 
Yeah, yeah, looking forward to watching that very much. And speaking of looking forward to things to watch, uh, obviously events kicking off today. Uh, anything particular that we should be keeping our eye? Oh, definitely, mate. I mean, first day of the Olympic athletic schedule, I mean, um, yeah, it's hard not to be excited. So, um, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, so today, first up, 10 a.m., or, uh, I mean, it's important to note that the, the timetables have been shuffling around a bit, so I'd encourage people to just keep an eye on, um, you know, the Tokyo app or um, even Athletics Australia Social. They'll have the correct timetable, so, um, you know, you don't want to be missing your favourite athlete. But uh, the 3,000-metre steeplechase, so we've got Matt Clark, Ed Trippis and Ben Buckingham. Um, so Matty Clark, a lot of people know his story. He uh, missed out by 0.1 of a second um, at, at the qualifier. And he'd also missed out by one quota position. So he, his Olympic dream had missed. He was literally the stiffest you could be in missing out for the Olympics. Um, pretty much all closed. He wasn't going. And he'd agreed to um, be a guide runner for Jared Clifford at the Paralympics. Um, Jared's legally blind. And, um, yeah, they have guide runners. And Clark, he'd agreed to – obviously, Jared's pretty quick. So Clark, he'd agreed to um, guide him around the track. And then, yeah, a few days later, news came through that someone had pulled out and Clark, he was the next guy in. So – I think for him to even be on the start line, he's just like he's already won over a lot of people in the Australian athletics community. So it's just good to see him there. I mean, then you've got Ed Trippis, who um, US-based Australian, goes to Princeton University, um, qualified with two and a half hours to go in the qualifying period, um, clutch as they come. So he'll have a cool head on his shoulders. I think he's he's easily got the best time. I think he ran 8.19.6. Um, so he's got a good couple of seconds on the other blokes. But um, Ben Buckingham, he's been our you know, Premier Steeplechase man for a while. He's um, pretty slick. So those three will go all right. Uh, qualifying for the high jump, uh, Brandon Stark. So the way qualifying works for these field events is they have an automatic standard, which is usually the Olympic qualifier. So if you hit that in qualifying, you automatically go through. Um, the general case is people don't hit that qualifying standard and they take the 12 best performances. So the 12 highest jumps, the 12, highest, the 12 furthest throws. Um, so that's why qualifying works. So for a lot of our field event athletes like Brandon Stark, Matt Denny, they, they shouldn't have trouble tomorrow. For them, it's just, um, you know, go out there, a bit of a simulation of, you know, what, what the day looks like and, um, yeah, hopefully wrap it up and get on ice for the final. Um, we've also got round one of the women's 800 metres, um, Kat Bissett and Morgan Mitchell. I think Kat Bissett's the one she's really one to watch here. This year she's taken it to another level. Um, she's run four sub two runs in a row. Um, which for Australian women used to be like Australian women, sorry, um, used to be the the real standard. If you could run sub two, you were um, you know, the best in the country, and um, we we're putting you forward on the world stage. And she's just done it four times in a row, including a one fifty eight oh nine national record. So um, yeah, I mean she's got the ninth fastest time in the world this year. Um, so I mean, yeah, she's one to watch, and she's been business this year, which I've really liked. I mean, she's you know she's such a lovely person, but she's Sorry, when she races, she gets this real game face and kind of, um, yeah, really really locks in, which is um, – it's good to watch. Um, she's pretty aggressive. So, um, And then obviously Morgan Mitchell, who qualified last minute, proved her fitness and held her spot, all props to her. Um, Hannah Basic, one we just touched on before, she'll be rolling around first round of the women's 100. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a 100-meter race. What more can you analyze? She's just going to – load herself into the blocks and rip down the straight as quick as she can. And, um, yeah, I think the way she's been going, um, you know, over throughout the season, her consistency really speaks to, um, you know, her preparation. And I think 
uh, today should be no different. Uh, in the night session, we've just got the um, the women's 5,000 metres, um, so Izzy Bat-Doyle, uh, Rose Davies and Jenny Blundell. So uh, I think Izzy's the strongest of these athletes. I mean, she's been putting in some incredible work um, over in St. Moritz with uh, Rose is also there, but um, some of Izzy's work, I think she's putting in um, 160 Ks a week at altitude, um, you know, doing two hours on the sun every Sunday. Um, I mean, her training, and I've watched a few of her races just in the lead up, and she's been solo. Um, she's been out in front on her own, and she just looks so um, calm and composed that I think she's going to be um, probably our best chance there. Um, Rose Davies has been thereabouts with Izzy. Um, obviously, they've they both train under, um, well, they both travel together, sorry, so they've been racing together. Um, and then Jenny Blundell, who clocked 1510 uh, and got a quoted position in the end. So, um, you know, it's a solid 5,000 metre lineup tonight. Um, you know, on the world stage, when you look at some of those East Africans and stuff, it's, it's incredibly hard to compete. So, once again, just be looking for context in these ones. And, you know, in a history of Australian performances, I think that's important to where do we slot people in um, and manage our expectations of these three. Um, and then we got the 10,000 metre final. Pat Tiernan is the only one that goes around there. Um, Stuart McSwain obviously qualified, but chose to run the 1500 metres. So um, Pat is doing the 5,000, 10,000 metre double. Um, he's obviously got the hard one first, the 10,000 metres, but um, he's the Australian record holder. Um, he beat Stuart McSwain's uh, time, I think around 27, 22, maybe. Um, you have to double check that, but um, you know, he's a class act. Um, and yeah straight final for the 10,000 metre men. You wouldn't want to run two of those. Oh, yeah. It's going to be awesome, an awesome day and night of action uh, today. And, yeah, awesome athletics analysis from you, Matt. Really appreciate it. Really in-depth. Great to kind of know a bit, bit of the stories behind all the individual athletes. But just before I let you go, uh, we've been running a few socials, uh, questions of the day, and asking them to our expert guests so you can – uh, reply to this on our all our socials at WDWB pod. The question today for you, Lockie, and all our listeners and viewers. So there obviously has been no athletics so far, but who has been the athlete in the games that you have just loved watching so far in the Olympics? Oh, mate, got to go with Paddy Mills. I think what he's been able to do, I mean, I think it's easy with sports where you see him compete for, you know, say an NBA team, and then you see him compete for Australia. And I think Paddy Mills is a guy who just, goes to another level for his country and I think that's what the Olympics is about and if I think if some of our athletes could summon that kind of spirit and that kind of pride they'll go a long way this week yes so many to list off uh, make sure you let us know um, yeah, Paddy Mills obviously one of them and like I said so so many uh, just one last thing where can people find your work Lockie uh, mainly Athletics Australia mate um, yeah maybe a few sneaky tweets here and there but yeah mainly stick to the the AA socials um won't have much time to be tweeting personal stuff over the next few weeks. So, um, yeah, I think mainly just if listeners are from other sports or whatever, make sure you, you know, I think people kind of tune into the Athletics Olympics and then kind of tune out for another four years. So make sure you, make sure you stick at it and um, follow the socials and you can follow these athletes and their journeys because um, there's some really good stories there. Yeah, really good it is to get to know the back backstories behind individual athletics. athletes. It really kind of makes it more special when you see them whether they win or not, it just, yeah, really makes it uh, just a much better event to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, I reckon it's just a fact, really. But that just about wraps us up, I reckon. Lockie, thanks very much for coming on, mate. So easy, mate. Thanks for having me, and, um, yeah, look forward to it. Thanks very much again, Lockie, for coming on the show. Definitely in the top two Lockies we've had on the show. I, w- I won't diss my co-host, but, 
Lockie Morehouse was very, very good. Lockie Gibbs definitely could not give athletics analysis anything like that. I'm really looking forward to the athletics today. I hope all you guys are too. Lockie gave you the big preview for the athletics, told you when all the big events were on. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you the preview for all the other events uh, that you might have an interest in. Not every single Australian event, but the major ones. So I'm going to just go in the order of the times from the morning, Australian Eastern Standard Time, all of these times. So the Kookaburras, they've been absolutely killing it so far, off to an undefeated start. They're coming up against Spain in another pool match at 11 a.m. Hopefully they can keep this run going because I've got to say the world number one is looking very, very good for a medal, hopefully a gold medal in this uh, Olympic Games and in the rowing. We've seen some good action in the rowing a couple of days ago, but we've got the women's eight and the men's eight. Uh, they're representing Australia in the finals. The women at 11.05 a.m. and the men at 11.25 a.m. So could be another shot to boost our medal tally, which would be very, very nice. But like I said, with uh, the whole positivity thing before, it's not like Kyle Chalmers and the uh, – uh, four by 200 meter freestyle team they really showed that it's it's not all about winning that you can be content with silver or bronze it's still an amazing amazing achievement as cliche it is as cliche as it is but it, honestly it's true and i'll keep going i'll keep pushing on because i'm straying a bit from the preview here uh, in the bmx uh the other day we saw saya saki kabara and lauren reynolds uh they got through to the semi-finals and they'll be in those semi-finals at 11.15am if they get through them they'll be in the final at 12.50pm I love a bit of BMX myself so I'll definitely be tuning in to uh, the semi-final and if they qualify the final and the Rugby Sevens Australia looking to defend their title the Australian women they're playing the US uh, at 11.30am and uh, hopefully probably they'll be through to the quarterfinals at 6.30pm later on Tonight, in the swing, what all of you guys want to know, we've only got one final featuring any Aussies, I think. So it's at 11.59am, just a tick before midday. Um, Emma McKeon and Kate Campbell in the women's 100-metre freestyle. So that's the only final featuring any Aussies uh, today, I believe. So we've got more action in the water. It's not just the swimming. Uh, we've got the Aussie, Aussie Sharks, the men's water polo team, coming up against Spain at 12.30pm, just half an hour after midday. The Sharks came off a bit of a disappointing result last night. They were blown away by Serbia uh, in that first half, especially. They were 10-1 down at one point, came back a bit to um, – there was a 14-8 loss in the end. But Serbia, absolute powerhouses, and uh, I'm sure the Sharks would be content with their – um, would have been content with the position they're in at the start of the tournament because they did have a very good win against Croatia 8-5 the other night. And I've got to apologise, got to make an apology. I said Lucien Delfour was going to be in action yesterday in yesterday's podcast, but uh, that was my mistake. He's actually in action today in the K1 semi-final at 3.51pm. If he gets through to the final, uh, that will be at 5pm. So we could see some more canoe slalom medal action for the Aussies because he did qualify third fastest out of anyone for that K1 semi-final. Lucien, of course, a friend of the show. You can hear his goals for the games in the back catalogue, just released a couple days ago in his full episode, even if you want. Uh, that was an absolute cracker. Lucien's a top, top guy. And 
Uh, Ash Barty and John Pierce actually had a mixed doubles game just last night. They beat uh, the Greeks, uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas and Maria Sakari, in uh, uh, actually went down to the wire, match tiebreak last night. They're aiming for the second uh, Aussie tennis Olympic medal in the history of Aussie Olympic tennis. So they'll be coming up against uh, Andrei Rublev and Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova at 4 p.m. in the semi final. Obviously, get through to the final, fingers crossed. But anything can happen in this tournament, as uh, Courtney Walsh has said, and uh, as we've really learned with some of the shock results we've had in the singles and the doubles and even the mixed doubles. And moving on later on tonight, we've got. A big quarterfinal action, uh, big quarterfinal action in the football. The Matildas, the Oliroos are gone, but the Matildas are still going strong. They're in the quarterfinal against Team GB, Great Britain, at 7 p.m. in uh, Kashima. And the semifinals on Monday. So hopefully they can get through to that. And uh, once they get to the semifinal, they'll have a shot at the medal because even if they lose that, they'll be in the bronze medal match. So, whew. Very, very nervous and exciting times for fans of Aussie football. And then uh, final one to keep your eye on, the Opals. They're looking to bounce back after a pretty disappointing defeat to Belgium the other night. They're playing China at 10 p.m. Prime time, that one is. But I'll watch the Olympics all through the day, just like many, I'm sure many of you will. That is just about me for the day. Um... I hope you like this slightly different version of Tokyo Daily. I've kind of uh, given you just the best of the stuff. I haven't given you uh, as much information as before, but I've given you all the key information that you need to know. I hope you enjoyed it, guys. You know how to support the show. Subscribe. That's an important one. Like. That's also an important one. Reviewing. We love a bit of reviewing. Sharing. Following at WDWB Pod. Check out the question of the day, uh, which is, of course, who has been your favorite athlete throughout the game's hard to go past um, Arnie Titmus, of course, but Paddy Mills, like Lockie said, uh, has been a cracker. That's me. Thank you very much for watching or listening wherever you are, guys. I'll see you in another Tokyo Daily episode, same time, tomorrow.